the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Why don't you come with me to the book of Songs of Solomon, Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Songs of Solomon 2, verse 15. And then you would like to read with me together. One go. Cut all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin vineyard of love. Somebody say, catch them. You can only catch them when you identify them. The foxes that are destroying your relationship, the foxes that are destroying your marriage, the foxes that cannot make you keep friendship. Some of us, our major setback in life is that we are not able to maintain relationships. If you look at your life, it's a trail of failed relationships. And I'm just not talking about relationships intended for marriage, but natural relationships, getting along with people. You simply don't have that skill. And let me tell you, no matter what other skill you have, thank God for the various uh, skills we can acquire the skill to learn, the skill to excel, the skill to be able to do great things. One of the skills you must master is the skill of handling people. Somebody say handling people. You need to learn it. You need to learn it. It's a skill you must learn. If you want to go far and achieve a lot in life, you must learn the skill of handling people. Handling people is very difficult. People are difficult to deal with. But if you cannot deal with people, you cannot do life very well. If you want to do life in a meaningful way, in a most impactful way, in a most lasting way, you need to learn how to deal with people. Because life is said that you always need people. You will always need people. Now, if people are said that you will always need them, then getting along with people must be a matter of priority for you. Don't go about making problems and having problems with people everywhere you go. It's not Christian. It's not godly. The Christian must be a person who is good to get along with, particularly among ourselves and then among others. The Bible says, oh, we know man nothing but love. So if that is what we are supposed to represent to the world, then we must learn how to master our craft because that is our greatest selling point. Getting on with people, getting on with the believers, getting on with the saints. That is so important. Many relationships have been destroyed, not because offenses came, but because offenses came and they were handled poorly. Offenses came and they were handled poorly. That's why we are looking at things that can hinder your relationship. The foundation is that everybody, particularly when it comes to matters of marriage, we always get along with people we love, but we don't always end up with people we love. 
So we start out loving, we end up in enmity, hatred, and confusion. Why is that? Because along the line, things came up we were not prepared for. Things came up we were not mature to deal with. Things came up that we didn't have the capacity to deal with. And that's why it's so important. We've looked at the fox of anger, and we are looking at the fox of offenses. Somebody say the fox of offenses. Say the fox of offenses. And the way it's gone, I think that these are just about these two. Or maybe next week I'll see if I'll touch on one more and then we'll, we'll close the docket. We looked at what offense is. We looked at eight scriptural truths about offenses. And then last week, Reverend and I walked you through while I was in Accra on nine damaging effect offenses can have on your life. Some people are sick. Their sickness is not that which can be attended to in the hospital. Is sickness of the heart. And heart sickness is killing too many people. There are many people who have all kinds of conditions, physiologically. Medically, there's nothing wrong with them. Psychologically, there's nothing wrong with them. But spiritually, everything is wrong with them. Listen, life is spiritual. You are fit when you are spiritually fit. Life is spiritual. You are safe when you are spiritually safe. So when you are not spiritually fit, no matter how fit financially, no matter how fit mentally, you are declared unfit perpetually. The Bible says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. May we remain spiritually fit. Alright, so this service, my focus is to be able to walk you through scriptural ways to deal with offenses in order to build lasting relationships. How many of you want to build lasting relationships? You want to build lasting relationships? Now, by the way, you need to understand that building lasting relationship is the will of God for your life. God does not want us to leave behind us a trail of bad relationships. I always say it on the altar and most times when I meet people personally, if you are closing a door, make sure you close it properly. Somebody say close it properly. Because the same door you are closing behind you, tomorrow you may need it to open back to, to do something else. You must always, whether it's a, a job door you are closing, you are leaving an office, your boss has anointed you, you want to resign, resign like a Christian, resign with dignity. Resign in such a way that tomorrow, if you have to go back there, they will not chase you with clubs and sticks. Relationships matter. How do we build lasting relationships? We can only build lasting relationships when we learn to handle offenses properly. Somebody handled them properly. And there are three wrong ways people handle offenses. Number one is the fact that they ignore offenses. Somebody say, don't ignore offenses. Yeah. If you want to do well with people. There's a book I read many years ago when I was a student, Winning with People by John C. Maswell. Leaders, get that book and read, Winning with People, John C. Maswell. If you want to get along with people, it's always important that you don't ignore what offends them. Anything that offends people can stop them from relating with you. If you know that uh, playing or joking with people's tribe is offensive to them, you want to avoid it. Praise God. There are some people, they enjoy others being teased. Of course, I see that as selfish anyway. Because if one is being teased and you, you can laugh your head out, and then you are being teased and you get angry and your face is all of that. Something is fundamentally wrong with you. But don't ignore what offends people. You have to watch out. When you are dealing with someone and the person feels offended by your action, 
go back and deal with it. When you also are offended, don't ignore it. Don't say it doesn't matter. You feel genuinely hurt by an action. Draw the attention of whoever hurt you and say, brother, this is what you did. Because the first step towards forgiveness is to admit that you are hurt. Praise God. That's the first step. The first step towards forgiveness is to admit I am hurt and wounded. I tell people, if you do something I don't like, I'll just tell you. But what I will not allow you is for your action to control me after you have walked out of my life. No. I control my life and my life is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Nobody controls my life from the outside. Some of us, we are being remotely controlled by people who have offended us. So every other person we are relating with, we are relating with a person based on our previous encounter with somebody else. So you meet people, they are in a third relationship and the things that are happening in the relationship are things that happened in their previous relationship because they are too careful. Watch out. Number one, don't ignore offense. Somebody say they ignore them. When you ignore an offense repeatedly, it builds up. Somebody say it builds up. It builds up. It builds up. The stories we are hearing lately of husbands uh, doing something uh, dangerous to their spouses, they are bad, but I, I, I want to believe that they've always had a root. They have seen a certain root cause. There's always an underlying cause which has not been resolved and until it's resolved, these issues will continue. So don't ignore offenses. All leaders must take that responsibility. As a leader, when someone is offended under you, you have the ultimate responsibility to make sure that you address it. Sometimes you succeed. Other times you may not succeed. But at least, the least you can do is to take steps to address it. That's the first one. Number two is they harbor it. Somebody say they harbor it. Now, what do you do? I'm asking you as a person. What do you do when you're offended? Are you the type who harbor it? As for me, I mean to myself. When I go and tell him, he will be angry. He will not understand. Why don't you tell him and see? Because the thing is in your heart. You are sitting on it. You are brooding over it. And over time, it will come back to hurt you. You see, when you harbor offenses, it's like drinking poison and expecting someone else sitting somewhere to die. That's what it is. You take DDT, you drink it. And the other person who is sitting somewhere drinking his milo is the one you are expecting to die. It doesn't happen like that. Don't harbor it. It may be small. Don't harbor it. Because small offenses can grow to become great offenses. Number three, don't spread it. It is unchristian to spread offenses. A pastor offended you. Don't carry it everywhere. Don't carry it to radio. Don't carry it on social media. Because other people who have offended you, you didn't take it so far. It's interesting that, Pastor James, when pastors offend people, the extent people can go to really malign them and seek to destroy them in so some way. Please take your seat. Yeah. And unfortunately, when pastors help people, it is not announced as such. It's not announced as such. The good we do for people in a moment of offense, all of that is raised. All of that. And some of you, you are looking very innocent. You are looking very innocent. But let me offend you in a place where it hurts most. That's when you will know whether I mean anything to you at all. And that's why sometimes people move themselves out of a place God has ordained to be a blessing to them. Hannah 
really had some harsh words from Eli. Eli, she was offended by the words of Eli, but she refused to give place to that offense. And her miracle was born. Offenses usually come at the height when God is just set to do something amazing in your life. Then offenses come. Sometimes you pray, all you've done, all you've done. At the moment where you are just standing at the brink of breakthrough, then something comes up, you take offense, and then you lose out. You will not be offended. I said you will not be offended. And by the way, listen, anytime you are spreading offense, don't think that you are only destroying the person you are spreading offense about. You are actually destroying yourself. Because no wise man wants to deal with an offended person. I don't entertain offended people around me. I meet them in my line of duty as a pastor over the past three years. I don't know what's happening, but I've had to counsel a lot of people who are dealing with hurt and offenses at various degrees. And all the time, my commitment has been to help them resolve it. Help them resolve it. Because see, while you are offended, whoever you are offended against and you think should die, maybe they have settled their matter with God and they are making progress and they are succeeding and you are there wishing them dead while they are making progress. Haven't you seen that sometimes when you hold strong offense against people, that is when they seem to be making progress. Those who are very strong at it. Oh, let me leave the church. The next time you go there for an event, it looks like, hey, the church is blossoming power. That is what you know because, you see, when offense is not just between you and the person, it's between you, the person, and God. And if the person has a disposition to resolve it and you are not ready to move on and you want to harbor it, God will move on with the person and you'll be stuck. You will not be stuck in life. I said you will not be stuck in life. So don't spread it. Every time you tell somebody it's bad, like you go to Pastor James, you know, Pastor Ope is a very bad person. That guy, I don't know, I don't trust him. You see, as I'm telling him bad things about Pastor Ope, if he's smart, he should know that one day I may be saying the same thing to Pastor Ray about him. That's how it is. So if, for instance, I meet you and you are super offended at your previous place of work, I'm not likely to hire you. Unless, of course, you can maturely let me know that you have gone out of the offense. It's not like hide the fact that you're offended. Because when you're offended, really, I realize you can't hide it. Sooner or later, it will come up. Because, you see, because you are offended, there is something that will trigger it. There's always a trigger. And the moment it's triggered, ah, the real you comes up. And the person who gets to trigger it, you begin to give it to the person as if the person has done some wild things against you. The bottom line is that you have an unresolved offense. So, one, don't ignore it. Somebody say, I won't ignore it. Two, I won't harbor it. Three, I will not. I will not. I will not. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. Look at what Matthew chapter 18 says. Verse 17. Okay, let's do from verse 15. If another believer, somebody say another believer. Uh-huh. Because this is the part that usually, you see, most of the time, the offenses we handle poorly are the offenses that come to us from people we don't expect to offend us. Eh? Am I communicating to somebody at all? Because you are not expecting your husband to do something, when he does it, ah, you can't understand it. You are not expecting your pastor to do something. When he does it, ah, you are not expecting your boss to do something. When he does it, he said, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Somebody say, go privately. Go 
let me tell you, you have no business as a proper Christian to talk to any other person about a matter between you and another Christian, not until you have resolved it with the person before. Any time we come to church, Anosha speaks to you some way, and then you go to your office, and that's where you are discussing it. That is not godliness. That is worldliness. That's worldliness. That's worldliness. Something happens between you and somebody in the choir, and you've not spoken to the person directly involved, but you are sharing it with that person, you are sharing it with that person. That is not Christianity. That's not. The Bible says, those who cause offenses and spread divisions, we should mark them and note them that they are not serving Christ. Look at that in the book of Romans. Romans 16, 17 to 18. I urge you, brethren, note. Somebody say note. Uh-huh. There are people, the Bible says we should note. This is New Testament. It said there are people, not, not those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. So number one, note them. Number two, avoid them. Verse 18, look at verse 18, what the Bible says about them. The reason why you are to note them, the reason why you are to avoid them is because for those who are sad do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are not serving Christ, who are you serving? By their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of simple people. So this is what the Bible is saying. When we come to church, there are people who are not here to serve Christ. They are here to serve their own interests. They are here to serve their own pride. That's what they are into. And so for such people, the Bible said we need to know them and then avoid such people. I hope you are not one of such. Say, I'm not one of such. Okay, so how then do we deal with offenses? Number one, we must not underestimate the damage effect of unresolved offenses. Somebody say, don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate the damaging effect of unresolved offenses. Don't you think that if you don't resolve it, it will go away by itself? Don't you think that it doesn't matter because it matters? It matters to your health, personal health, personal health, your own personal health. If you are somebody who has things, it can affect your heart. You can have heart problems. You can have all kinds of sicknesses and physiological challenges in your body. There are people who are sick. And they have done all the tests. Nothing is wrong with them. The only test they have not done is a test on their heart. Check your heart. The things you have allowed into your heart, the filth and the debris that have accumulated on your heart. They have made your heart become hard that you can no longer open up. So, never underestimate it. Somebody say, don't underestimate it. Yeah. When you are offended and you don't deal with it, it can cause havoc. It can destroy your home if you are married. It can destroy your work as a person and it can even destroy a church family. Number two, make every effort you can not to become a channel through which offenses come. Somebody say, make every effort. Say, make every effort. Now, this effort is required. Most of the time, we don't make the effort. You have to make an effort that you are not a channel of offenses. If somebody is going to speak ill in a home, Make sure that you, have work, you are working on yourself that you will not be the one. Luke chapter 17 verse 1 and 2. He said, it is impossible that no offenses should come by woe to him through whom offenses come. So offenses will come. But the one who causes the offense will also suffer for it. So make sure that you don't become, it will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck. And he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. 
when you make people offended, it does not just leave you innocent. It affects you. It can affect your character. It can affect all kinds of things around you. So make every effort. Somebody say, make every effort. Say, I will make every effort not to be a source of offense. Please, hear me and hear me well. Don't go saying that you will not offend people because of what pastor has said. Because you'll be living an unreal life. But offenses should not be the norm with you. It should be the things that accidentally happens to you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 18, he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you. Somebody say it depends on you. Live at peace with Live at peace with Live at peace with peaceable people. Live at peace with good people who are good. Live at peace with what? Everyone. 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 The incidents of believers who are not peaceable. It's just too many. Believers who, they can't get along with people. Small group, cell meeting, they can't get along with people. Small choir meeting, they can't get along with people. Everywhere they go, they create confusion. It's not, it's not characteristic of Christ. Praise God. Be at peace with all people. When you are at peace with yourself, one of the resultant effects is that you learn to be at peace with others. But when you are not at peace with people, you are always fighting someone. That shall not be your experience. I said that shall not be your experience. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. There are things you may have to give up just because you don't want to offend people. Praise God. There are certain conversations I don't have with certain people until a certain time because I see that they will be offended by it. There are conversations I actually ask other people to do it on my behalf because I know when I come down, the person may not be able to handle it. So you have to always know where people are and relate with them accordingly. Number three, see offenses as opportunities to grow and mature in godly character. One of the things you must constantly be growing in is your character. Somebody say my character. Say my character. You have to be growing constantly in character. You have to be constantly. And the ultimate character of the believer is the fruit of a spirit. Somebody say the fruit of a spirit. Say the fruit of a spirit. Some of us, what we know is our character, is our temperament. Your temperament is not your character if you are born again. Your temperament is your human nature. But your divine nature is that of the fruit of the spirit. The Bible said, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So we have to constantly be working. And it takes offenses. Somebody say offenses. You will not know you don't easily forgive until you are offended. Yeah, somebody offended you and for two months running, you can't still get your head around it. That is what shows that you need to be seeking the face of God so that your flesh will give way for the spirit to have expression in your life. So that's number three. Number four, expect offenses and prepare for them. Somebody say expect offenses. Uh-huh. Expect. Somebody say expect. When you are married, we have a lot of expectations. Some people have expectation of enjoying the marriage every day. Good. Expectation of what? Honeymoon. Great. Expectation of visiting nice tourist site. Great. Ladies, am I talking to some ladies here? You have wild expectations. 
But one of the good things to expect, which unfortunately people don't expect when they are getting ready to marry, is offense. Listen, you are not fully prepared for marriage until you are fully prepared to resolve offenses. You are not. You are not. You are not ready to marry until you are ready to resolve offenses scripturally. You are not ready to marry and stay married until you are ready to resolve offenses scripturally. That is what shows. After the sex, your husband will offend you. After the sex, your wife will offend you. And what you do with the offense is what will tell where the marriage is going. It's not, it's not a, oh, buy me a car. That is, most of the time, the good things your spouses do for you, they, they are short-lived in your mind. When you get offended, that's when your real self comes. Your real self comes. And you need to do it. A relationship that has not gone through offense is not a tested relationship. As long as I have not offended you and say, Papa, Papa, I don't trust your Papa. Let me shout at you in my moment of anger. Let me rebuke you sharply. And then when I'm done, you'll still call me Papa. Then I trust you. Then I can trust you. Not this your fake, uh, this relationship that is only good because you are seeing my good side. Because the truth of the matter is that I don't really have good side. Am I communicating here? There are other sides you may not like, but you'll be exposed to. And when you're exposed to, you need to be merciful and gracious to my weakness. Am I communicating here? Just ask the same way when your own weakness and your, uh, your faults are known, you expect people to be gracious to. Most of the time, we hold people to high standards that we ourselves, we are not ready to stand. Bible says, if the Lord is to mark iniquity, nobody stands. This is very important. Expect offenses. Somebody say, expect them. Don't come to church and expect that you will never be offended. It's not a real church. It's a fake church where people don't get offended. A real church where real human beings like yourself are, you will be offended. And also, ushers also get angry. Are they not human beings? You don't you get angry. If you came to church and one morning an usher because of lost his school on you and said something, I'm leaving the church, the usher don't respect. Oh, oh, as if you have always been respectful. As if you have always been nice. As if you are always in a good mood. Am I communicating here? Grow up and stop those childish behavior. Because what people have done and you can't stand sometimes you do worse things and other people are able to stand you and tolerate you how come you have so exalted your horns and felt that you are somebody when you are nothing the bible says when a man thinks himself to be something when he's nothing he deceives himself there are times where we think of ourselves as being some things we are not you think you are so super spiritual but you are not so humble yourself and find your level am i communicating here it's so so important that we walk in humility and when it comes to matters of offenses, that's when, you see, it is when somebody falls that usually you see how strong you are. Yeah. When somebody falls, the people who think they are strong because somebody has fallen, they are not strong. Real strength is seen in your ability to stand with someone who has fallen and help the person stand. That's a person who is strong. That's a person who is strong. A person who is strong is not the one who tells other people I'm very strong because somebody else has fallen. Your ability to stand with one who has fallen, help him stand, is what shows that you are really, really strong. Expect offenses. Somebody say, expect them. Yeah, they will come. It's not a, a fake prophecy at all. They will come. If they have not come today, thank God, you are in your honeymoon season, but they will come. And what betides you when they come and you are not ready? What betides you when they come and you are not prepared? 
What betides you when they come and you are not in a position to deal with? That's why we must constantly be growing because offenses will always are preparing themselves to come our way. And the more you grow, the more you increase your capacity to handle offenses. That's critical. Number five, be proactive about resolving offenses. Be proactive. Somebody say be proactive. A mature believer is proactive when it comes to offenses. A mature believer. A mature believer. A baby Christian will handle offenses in all the three levels I talked about. They will either ignore it or harbor it or spread it. If you do any of that, it's a sure sign you are a baby Christian. When you are hurt, social media is your uh, access point. When you are offended, withdrawal is your greatest sign. No, no, no. Be proactive. Somebody say be proactive. It's interesting that God put the burden for the resolution of offenses on the part of the one who is offended. Matthew chapter 18. Look at it. Matthew 18, 15. The one who is offended, the one who is supposed to sit down and everybody should come and apologize to. That is the one the Bible said he should initiate. Moreover, if your brother sins against who should go? Who should go? Wait for him to come. Let him come with his elders. Let him come with his brothers. Let them all come and apologize to you. What are you to do? Go. The reason why you have not had sex with your wife for almost two months is because you are not ready to go. Just go. Humble yourself. Put your pride aside as a man. And go and humble yourself. And say, I missed it. Humble yourself. And stop this, uh, I'm the man, I'm the man. This behavior, foolish behavior of yours. Go. Tell to your neighbor and say, Go. Listen, most men think that it's easy to be a husband. It's not easy to be a husband. No, 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 no. no. Being a husband is not for children and small boys. Because the headship responsibility that God puts on the husband. If you're a baby, you can't handle it. You have to be emotionally strong and stable to be able to deal with it. You have to die to your flesh to be able to be a husband. A proper one for that matter. If your flesh is too alive, you cannot. Because the things, the, the, no, no, the things you will be required to do to have a peaceful home, there are things that will affect your flesh. They will affect your position in your office. They will affect many things about your life. You come to church, you are a pastor. Everybody respects you. You go home and your wife talks to you some way. Then you say, ah, don't you know I'm the pastor? The marriage is over. In the home, you are not a pastor. If you have to kneel, kneel. If you have to lie, lie. And stop foolish behavior. That's all. That's all. You go to the office. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Everybody addresses you, sir. You come home and your wife, you talk, she talks. Listen, here we are on the same level. If you want peace, lie low. I'm not complicating. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives and give yourselves unto them. Just as Christ gave himself for it. The reason why Jesus has the church is sacrifice for the church. If you're a husband, your greatest, listen, the thing you must learn to do most is the ability to sacrifice. If you can't sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice to the point of sacrificing your life, don't marry. Because it won't work. You must sacrifice your pride. Because sometimes your pride will be affected. Sacrifice your position. Sometimes you will be affected. Sacrifice who you are. You see, a lot of people claim to be Christian, but they really don't know Christ. Because when you get to know Christ, the less of you is known. You are too much of yourself 
to be called a Christian. Too much of yourself. Too much of yourself. The more of Christ enters your being, the less of you is seen. More of you is seen. When you are starting out in Christ, you start out, one, your life is without Christ. So, when you are without Christ, you are full of yourself. When you get born again, Christ takes center stage in your life. The more you mature in Christ, Christ takes all of your life. Praise God. So it no longer becomes about you. It becomes all about him. So what would Christ do? What will please Christ? What will God have me do? That is always your objective. That's what you look for. You don't look for, I need to let him know that I'm somebody. No. You only want to please God. That's all. And if you will please, that's what the Bible says, if a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Most of the time, our problems is because we are trying to defend our integrity or name that only God can give to us. Be proactive. Somebody say be proactive. Yeah. Never expect a person, you know a person who has offended you to come to you. Don't expect it because it's not Christian. Go to the person. There are people who are wise and they will come. A very good and submissive wife will not wait for her husband to come to her after you have said some things. By the time your husband comes home, you are already uh, uh, at the door. Honey, please, before you even enter, what I said, I think I misfired. Please forgive me. That's a wise woman. That's a wise woman. That's a wise woman. A wise person who has offended will not wait for you to come. But because there is a possibility that they may not, Bible says go to them. So you are the boss. You said something and your, your subordinate answered you back wrongly. When you're a Christian, when you go, please come to the office. Last yesterday, I think I spoke harshly. Please pardon me. She will learn to respect one, who you are as a man. Two, your status as a Christian. Am I communicating? Yeah, because you know that. No, that, that, that is not what ordinary bosses do. When ordinary bosses talk to you and you talk back to them, they tell you you are fired. Praise God. But sometimes if you listen to yourself again and you listen to what you told the subordinate and you listen to the answer that came back in anger, you will understand that even if you are in the subordinate you maybe you have said something different. But because you are in a position of authority and power, you just abuse it. It doesn't work like that. It works like that in the world, but amongst us as Christians, it doesn't work like that. Am I communicating here? You see, the Christian life is a higher life. It's what? It's a higher life. God does not call us to live lower than the ordinary person. We live on a higher scale. And it is by living on that scale that we enjoy the best of life. There's nobody alive or dead who has any place in my heart. No. I live a very simple, happy life. I'm always cheerful and joyful. If you are around me, I get angry because it's normal. In my line of duty, it's necessary. Yeah. But my joy, nobody takes. My peace, nobody takes. Because see, anything I would do to get my peace, I would do to get it. Even if I have to give you a million to get my peace, I would do to get it. Because once I get my peace, a million is too small for me to get. Am I complicating here? Know what is important in life and go after it. When you see children fighting, usually they fight over things that are useless. Fighting over ball, fighting over this, it don't work. Be proactive. Somebody say be proactive. Now, if you want to marry, Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Is that not what the Bible says? 
The blessing is not for those who wait. Blessed are those who take the initiative. He says, follow peace with all men. And then number six, be clothed with humility. Be clothed with what? Humility. Humility. This word, hey, is a very serious thing for a lot of you. Be clothed with humility. The Bible said, only by pride cometh contention. But with the well advice is wisdom. Only by pride. Have you seen any meeting where there are exchanges? This person talks, that person talks, that person talks. Pride is in one of them. Pride. By pride comes contention. Your husband talks, you talk back. Your wife talks, you talk back. Pride is working. The Bible says only by pride cometh contention. When there is a fight anywhere, in the office, at home, anywhere, pride is somewhere. And somebody is not willing to humble himself. Look at Proverbs 28, 25. He said, he that is proud in her stirred up strife. Somebody say strife. 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 Strive. Anywhere there is strife, somebody is too proud. Strive in your home. Who is a proud guy? Mr. Husband, are you the one? Or Madam Wife, you are the one. There's a contention. Contention. But he that put it in his trust in the Lord shall be saved. This is a garment the Bible says we should wear. First Peter 5 5. Likewise. Hey. Likewise. Somebody say likewise. Oh, likewise. You younger, submit yourselves to the elder. So, no, 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 no. Then he says, Yeah, all of you. Somebody say, All of you. Whew. You see, the New Testament is very exciting reading. He said, The elder, the younger ones should submit themselves. So, in the marriage, positionally, the husband is the head. Submit yourselves. A wise wife will never go for the final say in the home. Women, are you here? We're foolish woman. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. A wise woman will yield when you are under authority. You see, I, I tell people all the time the time we need submission is when we don't agree. That's when we need submission. You don't have submission when we agree. When we agree, we all agree. But submission is needed because. I'm in this position, you are in that position. And because we must have a common ground, somebody must bring himself under. And it is the wise woman who brings herself under. Why? Because my husband is ahead. Am I complicating here? That is it. And women learn it. It will help you a lot. Learn it. Because you see, taking decisions also makes you liable for responsibility. So if you are taking the responsibility, like for instance, I take the responsibility that this service should be run like the way it's running. If something goes wrong, I must accept responsibility for it. So decision making is actually a huge responsibility. And whoever makes the final decision has to bear the final responsibility. And that's what husbands do. So God holds people to account. He holds the husband to account. And if you don't allow him to lead, you assume the, the essential role. Many homes have been broken. Particularly ladies who are, they say they are choleric. Choleric. Choleric only exists in the book. It doesn't exist in the Bible. I, I'm, I'm a strong will. Stop that strong will. If the Holy Ghost takes over your will, you don't even have a will to be strong in. 
You are just living your own will, living your own dreams because your mother has told you men are like this. So your mother has psychologically prepared you to come to the marriage as a fighter. That is how the marriage is going to fail. The Bible said, likewise, you younger, submit yourself to the elder. Yeah? Submit yourself to the elder. Yeah, all of you, somebody say all of you, be subject one to another. Subject one to another. Subject one to another. There are times, listen, the fact that you are a boss does not mean that you don't have to say sorry to your subordinate. In my responsibility as a leader, I've said sorry to people under me. I say sorry to even Asha. When I misfire, I say sorry to him. All of you be subject one to another. And the reason why you can be that is to be clothed with humility. That's the only thing. When you wear humility as a garment, you can say sorry to anybody. Even if the person is a devil child, you can say it. If you can't say sorry, I tell you, your pride is bigger than timber. If you can't say sorry. No matter who you are, if you can't say sorry, you don't have a future. Because there are places, it's only sorry that will give you access. There are places only sorry will give you access. Because you are Mr. Perfect, you don't say sorry. Because you are Madam Perfect, you don't say sorry. And you are destroying a lot of things that God has wired for you because of your pride. The Bible said be clothed with humility. And if you don't understand what he's saying, God resists the proud and give grace to the humble. If you see people who walk in humility, they are always given opportunity. They are always promoted. They advance in life. It's as if everything is working for them. But those who are arrogant, many things seem to work against them. And it's not demons, it's not witches, it's their pride working against them. One thing you want to deal with, particularly as God lifts you high, is to learn to humble yourself. I tell you, God will never humble you because if God humbles you, you won't like it. The people God humbled, they never liked it. Do you want to ever have a history that you were once an animal? Do you want to have a history where you, you were eaten by worms while you are alive? You are, people die before they are eaten by worms. While the person is uh, sitting, he gets, he collapses and immediately is eaten up by worms. Live there. <laughs> you are decomposing immediately. That is how God humbles people. And there are a lot of us, many things have been humbled around us. Certain progress you should see, I'm not seeing it because of pride. Listen, pride is dangerous. Pride is destructive. You cannot marry with pride. You cannot stay married with pride. You cannot be pastored with pride. You cannot lead in pride. You need to embrace humility. Bible said, be clothed with humility. The reason why offenses thrive is because people are not humble. They are not humble. They are not humble to admit that they've gone wrong. And they are not humble to go and beg if they need to beg. And number seven, learn to forgive unconditionally. Somebody say, learn to forgive unconditionally. How many of us will like God if he told you, you, you come to God, you want to make a confession and he tells you, listen, uh, what you are doing, I don't want you to come and confess this again. If you do this again, it's over. How many of us will like God? Do you know why we keep on coming back to God? Because there's forgiveness with God. There's forgiveness with, listen, don't live your life where you come to a place where there are some things that are unforgivable. Make every sin forgivable because all your sins have been forgiven you. Am I communicating somebody? 
All your sins have been forgiven you. Don't even wait for people to apologize to forgive them. Mm. Don't wait. Somebody say, don't wait. <laughs> don't wait. That, that's a, on a higher level. Don't wait. Because see, God did not wait for you to ask for forgiveness before he forgave you. The Bible says that in Christ Jesus, we have forgiveness of sin. What you have is something you take when you need it. No, so. You have forgiveness of sin. So when you need it, you take it. That's how God relates with us. Why is it that you, even after people have come to beg, you are still using the thing against them? After people have been made to kneel down, you know your reward? Your reward is in the kneeling down. When people have to beg you to forgive them, when they finish, forget there is no reward with God. You have already collected your reward. Your reward is in the fact that they fed your pride by kneeling down before you. Doesn't make sense. Let me close with this. Pursue spiritual growth and maturity tirelessly. Somebody say pursue. Pursue spiritual growth and maturity tirelessly. Issues like offenses. Oh, I'm offended. I'm not coming to say I'm offended. I'm not doing this. I'm offended. They are all acts of immaturity. It shows you are a baby. Paul said, where there is envy and strife and divisions among you, are you no babies? You are babies. 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 When you don't let go of offense, one of the sure signs that you are a baby is your inability to let go of things. Praise God. Yeah. Hold on to things. Hold on to things. You know, children don't easily grow out of things. Yeah. It's taking me a long time to let this guy know that there are some games he cannot play. Yeah, it's taking me quite some time to let him know that there are some games he can play. Because children want to hang around with toys forever. And they say in every man there is a boy. So you see so many who still play around with toys. But you have to grow up. Somebody say grow up. Grow up. Grow up. When you got born again, if you are offended, you kept it for three days. Now you have grown in the Lord for one year, two years. You still keeping offense for a day? No, 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 no. It's not a sign that you are growing. When you were in your first year of marriage, it was okay when you didn't talk for two days. But after three years in the marriage, two years in the marriage, you are not talking for weeks. You are not growing. Thank God for your degrees. But emotionally, you are not growing. Spiritually, you are not growing. One of the things people don't perceive aggressively, and it saddens my heart as a pastor most of the time to see, I see people share their dreams with me. They want to do this. They want to do this. They want to do this. Hardly ever do I have people come to me and share their dream for spiritual growth with me. Yeah. Hardly ever. Hardly. This year, this is what I want to do. I want to uh, improve on myself. I want to pursue this. I want to pursue this. I want to pursue this. And if you ask for their spiritual goal, zero. No wonder when they hit those heights and are able to achieve all of that, they are not able to enjoy their lives. Because you see, what helps you to enjoy the life you have is how much of the Spirit of God is at work in you. Most of the things that you think you need to be happy in, let them give all of them to you. If you don't have a solid relationship up here, you'll be miserable. The more things you have, the more miserable your life can be when you don't have a life to live. 
don't be deceived. Don't be what? Don't be deceived. There's a lot of deception out there. It's not. Life is not in the car you drive. Drive a good car. Build a great house. But life is more than that. Life is more than that. If you have meaningful relationship with people around you, that alone can elongate your days. But it, no matter how big a good a house is, if you live in it alone, you'll never enjoy it. You don't watch football alone and enjoy it. I'm not communicating. Everything worth doing in life, we do it with people. Am I speaking here? Everything that people enjoy doing, we do it with people. We do it with people. We do it with people. And people are the most difficult commodities we have to manage. I pray that God will help us. That you will let go of whatever offenses that have been. How about people who have left your life yes, yourself? I hope somebody has been helped today. Afroqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afroqua on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you.